640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. We do know the guests. You're familiar with the guests, but just in case it's your first time around, uh, climb it into the Think Tank. I don't know that we want T-shirts made or anything, but let's say hi to our panel this morning. Uh, you heard her on uh, 12 to 3 on Monday. Uh Guest hosting for Kelly Cotrera uh, and sounding like she's just been doing it forever. And I mean that as a compliment. Sometimes you're like, oh, my God, you've been doing that forever. And it's not. But this one time it, it's Stephanie Smythe. That's the, that's a long way around intro to say you sounded great on Monday. Oh, thanks so much. You know, I I, I was saying, like, I want to apologize to Kelly in advance. If I scare away any of your listeners. But, you know, I survived. You, that? <laughs> yeah, oh, more than that, more than that. And uh, we welcome on. Th- this guy's got a great voice as well. When I call him, I feel I feel at ease uh, to some extent. I, I haven't heard him yell at me yet. It's coming. Maybe in the next 10 minutes. Mark <laughs> Saunders is the former chief of police. What about that? Narrating uh, books, uh, spoken word, maybe an album, may- maybe some some music. What do we think? Can we sing? Greg, I, I think you're sounding like I owe you money or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a story if you did, depending on the uh, we, we. Yeah, there might be a Freedom of Information Act to see if uh, indeed uh, that is the case. It's not the case, though, although I uh, yeah, I should buy, I should buy you lunch at some point. You give me such great uh, insight on things. All right, let's get into this. Um, there's still a ton of reaction, Mark. I'll start with you. Doug Ford, um, though, uh, yesterday was at the Toronto uh, at the Ontario Real Estate Association Conference, and he sat down with another former Ontario PC leader, Tim Hudak. Here's the quote, though. He said in a fireside chat, uh, it was a great deal. I'll tell you, it was a really one sided deal. But what he means is the province didn't get very much and the city got a ton. I'm going to ask you two days from the deal. Is that how you view it? Did the city get a ton? Did the province get very little? Well, you know, not hearing how he said in the context that he said, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. But here's, here's what I can say. Toronto did well at the end of the day. And this is an example. When, when two governments can put aside the differences, good things can happen. In this case, it's for Toronto. So the fact that he's now inherited, the province is now inheriting the DVP and the gardener, that's a good day. And, and the city has made it very clear that there are now opportunities to really tackle the things that are key issues for the city of Toronto. So uh, one-sided, when you had to fight for your own property, Ontario Place, uh, it, it may be that way. Steph, you were on the air on Monday when a lot of the details of this deal uh, were coming through. Do you look and say uh, the province really now they get some external and internal pressure taken off them? Um, The city acquiesces on Ontario Place. We're going to find out the business case later this morning for the Ontario Science Center. It felt like they wanted a little bit of a of an of an easy ride. And they've got at least an easier ride on those two things. But did the city win a lot more than the province did? Um. The city definitely won. Let's put it that way. I think to Mark's point, and from what I heard from all accounts, right, you know, doing that 360 with, you know, politicians and, you know, board of trade and observers, et cetera. It was, you know, one of those deals that was made for in the interest, in the best interest of the city of Toronto. And the bottom line is, uh, you know, why would Doug Ford say something like that? I think, you know, it's to show what, you know, I think, you know, what a great guy he is and how much he loves Toronto and how he really can negotiate and maybe deflect from the that win that he has with Ontario Place, right? To sort of say it's so lopsided uh, with Ontario Place off the table now and make it look like he took a hit in a sense. Um, so the bottom line is absolutely the city won. I think the province won. Doug Ford won, um, probably some, scored some political points, you know, after that 
uh, mm-hmm. dreadful green belt summer, so to speak, right? Yeah, that factors in. I'd also make the point, Steph, I'll stay with you and then come to Mark on it. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good politician. I really do. I, I don't know whether he's transformed himself. You would have covered him a ton at city council. And I think we mm-hmm. weren't quite as sure that this is somebody that could run a province of 15 million people and win two I, majority governments. But yeah. he's showing things maybe we didn't see seven, eight years ago, to put it bluntly. Well, he's definitely, you know, from the people advising him, it's all changed. And I think there's that, you know, that learning process in every role, right, even as premier. But Doug Ford has always been a very amiable guy um, and was able to show that, right? And he's just one of us. And look, I can be great. I can negotiate. I can come to terms. And, you know, we heard what he said about Olivia Chow in the campaign, you know, how it'd be a disaster for Toronto if she's elected. And now, you know, he's quoted as saying, you know, he has a soft spot for Chow and always has had. And they're hugging. And, you know, so it just shows him as likable congenial and you know um Mm. flexible mark i asked anna bylaw this yesterday um as to whether you know she finished second you finished third in in the mayoral uh by-election and i asked her and i said come on like some of these ideas were yours some of the things you were on the campaign trail anna was on the campaign trail even anthony fury josh mallow everybody was out there saying olivia you're not going to be able to do all this and yesterday or, or two days ago she kind of caved on a lot of the big promises. She said, I got to fight for Ontario Place. I don't like that Gardner Expressway. And poof, those 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 fights are gone as of two days ago, Mark. Yeah. And, you know, politically speaking, it, it will come with its natural wake. But if, if, if we want to be honest, Ontario Place is not the discussion at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. It is, is not had any of my circle of friends. That's not it. We talk about affordability yeah. for those who own homes and have to renegotiate the mortgages, the mortgage. What is our property tax going to look like? Food insecurity. All of these discussions are the burning issues on the table right now. So at the end of the day, great win, great discussion by both sides. And now let's make it work. As an aside, Mark, how does policing change on these highways? Is this as simple as you'll see OPP vehicles on the DVP and the Gardner suit and not Toronto Police Services vehicles? My guess will be that uh, once it's declared a provincial highway, that it will be under the jurisdiction of the OPP. But, you know, with Chief Demke and with Commissioner uh, Curry, they work well together. And I think what it would bring to Toronto, if that is the case, uh, the traffic service unit will change. Um, There will be, you know, specialized officers, breath tech and and impaired identification officers, collision reconstructionists. And a, a, a good number of frontline officers that will be able to either now work towards the issues of speeding and distraction driving in the city, but it, it will not be able to cover what the pressures are with the TPS and the calls for service because those priority one calls right now are 20 something minutes on average. They need more people and, and this will not help to, to a degree. It'll, it'll be a dense but an incredibly small bend. I wondered about that. And I, and I go a different route because, Steph, you told some amazing stories about um, carjackings, break-ins and whatnot in, in your mm-hmm. neighborhood community. Um, the wait time through no fault of the police because of how thin they're stretched and how frequently it's happening was really dramatic. And and that's a neighborhood where um, the police should come faster, to be blunt. So, yeah, like I, I'd ask uh, I'd ask I'd ask you, um, Steph, if if you're looking at that situation, saying, well, that they're still going to have to TPS are going to have to still use the DVP and the gardener, but it's not going to make it any faster for them to come to a 911 call, is it? 
Well, I mean, I, I see what Mark's saying. Hopefully, uh, anything is better if it takes that pressure off them. I mean, we had what we thought was a potential home invasion, not my house, but three doors down mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Uh, I called, I was asked to call 911, so I did, because we've got this neighborhood chat group that's just amazing. And um, it, I was put on hold, and then it was a 37-minute response. 37 minutes, I timed it. Now, I had to talk to the officers involved. They were amazing. Um, you know, and we talked about the response time. And it says, there can't be everything everywhere all at once. Totally understand that. And this is why neighborhoods are taking matters into their own hands, so to speak, right? Hiring private security, et cetera, because you can't rely on that anymore. But hopefully, if this takes the pressure off and enables police to be in those hotspots and, and uh, help out communities more, great. All right. And I know, Mark, you, you'll have a uh, little say in this, but the Smythe and Brady households on the DVP want want less uh, speed traps between four and five a.m. We're not. It's a 90. We got It's 90 K. I mean, I'm only going night, you know, 101 and a 90 K. I just it's the last I've been really good lately, Mark, I swear. Well, I, I can tell you, Greg, I have been a victim of those cameras. <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah. I strongly promote them. It does change my behavior now. But boy, oh boy, it stings when you get it. I know, oh. I know. Um, let's go. Let's go to this issue of uh, of the Liberals. They're trying to save some money. Treasury Board President Anita Anand is out there yesterday saying the Liberal government needs to refocus on necessary spending, executive travel, expensive hotel rooms. I I think even there's a wonderful human being like Mary Simon who you're like, wait, Mary Simon, we we don't expect you to stay at the at the Super Eight, but but the expenses are a little much. Steph, I'm going to come to you. You've covered liberals, conservatives, even the NDP, and and spending often gets out of control. Government officials know that they're going to be scrutinized. They're in the public eye with public money. Why do they do these things and overspend on things like this? Help me out. I was going to say, did nobody learn anything from the Senate expenses scandal? You know, 2012, not, you know, it's kind of boring, snoozy scandal, but (laughs) still, or, or I don't know if you guys remember Bev Oda, she was that minister who stayed at the swanky Savoy in London and had that $16 glass of orange juice. I mean, maybe now it'd be 16 bucks, but that was, you know, in 2012. So these are big, you know, it's always been an issue spending, but for this, for this uh, former head of Canada's nuclear watchdog, he spent $288,000 on travel in 18 months. And, you know, including at Jackson hole, which is a, a really killer ski result resort in the u.s like yeah. what's he doing there like we've heard you know what about the hilton garden hotel has nobody ever heard of that you've got a great desk for working you know like, <laughs> the I wi-fi works 85 percent of the time yeah. yeah that kind of thing it's just unbelievable and it's like they're booking these last minute flights to dubai um you know mm. which have got to cost if he's going business class at least or she at least twenty thousand dollars one way. So it's just, it's mind boggling to me. Mind boggling. Mark, does it drive you equally crazy when we see government officials, uh, again, of all, all parties, all ideologies, even at the municipal level of government, they just spend too much on this stuff and expect the rest of us to pay for it, don't they? Yeah. Well, you know, two points that I'll throw to that table, Greg. First off, it is a public entity. So there's always a sign off. So who is the person that signs this off to begin with. So uh, there's a bit of sleight of hands on that discussion. Mm. But the second piece too, is the the value of the tax dollars. Like if you're going and you're a spectator, you know what, get the the PowerPoint deck and deal with it. But if you're the person that has a secret recipe to the middle ingredient of the Cadbury bar and you're going to the Cadbury conference, yeah, you gotta go. So I mean, picking and choosing which ones you go to, that's a better discussion to be having.
Yeah, uh, yeah, understandably so. Um, let's move to this. Uh, at yesterday, York University, there are three York community members, uh, including an associate professor, that have been put on leave. They were charged in connection with this vandalism of an indigo store um, earlier this month. They got charged last week, 11 people in total charts. And some faculty, and they were joined by students, stays to walk out in solidarity with the community members. Um, so th- this is obviously a tricky conversation. They've been charged, not convicted. Steph, it's not a normal crime and it's not a crime or, or a accusation of something that happens in the school. If it was a bullying thing, if it was a hands on a student thing, I get the idea of taking the person out of that environment. But I do think we still I think these employers still have a responsibility to treat people as innocent until guilty. What do you think? Well, uh, sorry, they've been charged. Like, you know, it, vandalism is illegal. Should they be teaching students? You know, this, that, and this is I, one thing I read, uh, someone said it's a very good point, but York says they're acting in the best interest of student learning, keeping with their state of values, including their commitment to free speech and, you know, dialogue in a peaceful way that doesn't violate the law or the university policies or code of conduct. And there you have it. Every large organization has a code of conduct. If you, Greg, went right now, decided to throw red paint at Indigo at Heather Reisman's face, you know, over your in your protest, you would probably be called to HR pretty damn quickly and you would be put on some form of suspension while this matter was investigated. I think it's absurd to think that these people should be, you know, free to go and not have any, any kind of, uh, you know, um, Mm -hmm. consequence for what they did. It's got to be investigated. Yeah. They got to be on suspension while they investigate. And just like the, while it's being investigated with these charges, you know, it's determined if they're guilty or not, but still, you know, they were out there and they know it. And I think it's absurd to think that there's any protest against the, the consequences that they're facing at this point. Mark, how do you how do you view this? We've, we've wrestled back and forth. I think all of us have in our own brain about what's a what's a peaceful protest? What's hate speech? What's guilt by association when you're with somebody who's speaking in a way that that, you, that concerns you regarding hate, banging on the store windows and threatening the employees? We've all struggled with this, haven't we? Yeah, my line is pretty short and straight on this. And lawful protest is fine. Unlawful is not. And, you know, the, the university has a code of conduct. They breach the code of conduct. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's this be a lesson, kids. Party to the offense. I think what the mindset is only one person threw the paint on. First mm-hmm. off, Canadian Jews right now are living in fear. Yes. Does not add. So that's totally not the thing to be doing. But secondly, party to the offense, you're guilty. You aid or abet or you counsel. You may as well throw in the paint on yourself. So let that be a lesson to people. And you know what? CPS, I applaud them. People are concerned. Are you making arrests? If they see it, they're going to make those arrests. If those videos get handed in, they're going to investigate. And in this climate, we have to do better as Canadians when it comes to these discussions. Lawful protest is fine. You step out of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. You deserve the penalty. Here, here. Yeah, Steph, I saw I saw the organizer of the protester uh, organizer of the protest yesterday say, "Well, we're against the weaponizing of anti-Semitism," and I just rolled my eyes and I thought, "Thank Please. you for telling me who you are." We're pointing out anti-Semitism, and we would never, ever, ever play a both sides game with any other race, any other religion. 
but you're doing it here with your protest at York University. It's disgusting to even make that comment. And it just slid by whoever the reporter was. And you're like, I'm sorry, will you explain that again? Uh, we're, we're doing a lot of that uh, lately. I wanted to play you guys this um, because to, in a similar vein, this chanting occurred outside Rosalind Carter's funeral. Um, the uh, deceased wife of ex-president Jimmy Carter, who's there 99. They were married 77 years. He's saying goodbye to her at her funeral. There was chanting outside the church where the funeral was. Here it is. Mark, don't even know what to say. That's a 99-year-old man inside there uh, with uh, other ex-presidents, ex-first ladies. He's just lost his wife of 77 years. And you think your chanting and your demonstration is going to bring people in to help your cause. It, it made me ill to see it and hear it. You know, it, it makes me sad. You know, it's, you know, when we talk about Rosalind Cash, activists for, for women's rights, activists for, for mental health, had a fantastic life, gave back so much, and, and, and this is a thank you. We tend to forget history a little bit too quick in this environment. I guess there's too much noise. And also, a lot of people making these decisions really have no idea of the big picture and, and, and yeah. what they're doing, why they're doing, and who it's affecting. And, and that's sad. And, and I hope, I hope in this new normal, there's a way in which we can do something different when it comes to these kinds of behaviors. Steph, you're just never going to win people over. I just think we've lost our brains when it comes to time and place and tone, all three of those things, when it comes to what you want to say and what your cause is, haven't we? Yeah. I wish we didn't even play that audio to be frank, you know, that we're even talking about it to give it any oxygen, right? Um, it's just, it's to Mark's point, recency bias, people have no clue what's going on and, you know, the context of demonstration. But, you know, if it got covered, it, it worked for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, let's go here. We got a, lot, a couple minutes left. I, there's been a lot of talk about construction in the city. I know it was a big part of your platform, Mark, to make sure that people could get from point A to B when you ran for mayor. But a ton of attention on University Avenue. And I, I just thought, ah, it's just more construction, more orange barrels, more waiting around. But people made the point on Monday um, that because that's Hospital Row, uh, we're not talking just about appointments, but emergency vehicles, um, paramedics. I, I don't know all the rights and wrongs about when this construction project should happen and how it could finish. But, Mark, it feels like there's got to be a better way. University Ave's really clogged up and the paramedics unions are really concerned about getting people to, to get the help they need on time. No, what's going on there is an absolute disaster. You know, I remember being on the front line and when we did emergency runs to university, these people, seconds matter when it's baby stop breathing or a victim of a serious stabbing or shooting. And, and the amount of work done by those first responders is incredible. Seconds matter. And, and the fact that the, that the planning has caused this chaos, it, it really is unacceptable. Seth? I just can't believe it. And to Mark's point again, like, yes, the seconds matter in the ambulance, getting into the emergency room. So there are a lot of very sick people who are going to say Princess Margaret or they're going into, you know, could be the monks that are could be anywhere down hospital row who are getting dropped off at the front entrance. Right. Because they just can't walk the blocks and blocks. They might have to walk with the parking, you know, around the hospitals. So it's just it's all mind boggling. It was already a disaster with the bike lanes, mm -hmm. um, you know, and other construction in and around the area. I don't know what the answer is when you 
there's got to be work that has to be done. It's just, you know, is it overnights only? Um, you know, it, there, I don't know what the solution is. It's, it's, it's a urban planner's nightmare. I, I, I saw the stat I saw um, or the, the statement I saw was they're replacing a part of what they're doing with all this infrastructure upgrade stuff is replacing a nearly 150 year old water main. Water and I'm like, main, I'm yeah. sorry, did I hear that wrong? 15, yeah. 50, no, 150. <laughs> that's 1870, 1883, as a matter of fact. No, so maybe it's been put off for you know t- 100 years <laughs> and there's no good time to do it. I don't know. It's just the whole thing city feels like basically south of i'd say south of st Clair, just a nightmare you know just to get around and to do anything right now and this is just adding to the to the frustrations the chaos and sadly right to to Mm. some potentially dangerous situations mark saunders stephanie smythe loved having you in the think tank this morning thanks so much for your uh your efforts and your opinion really appreciate it thank you It's great to have both of them on. We'll, uh, of course, give you Think Tank tomorrow morning as well. And Friday morning, we do it every uh, day, Monday to Friday, 730 to 8 o'clock.